Listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke, your daily Broncos podcast. It is a no filthy, casual, free Friday on today's episode of Lockdown Broncos. Mario Vitanzi joins the show as we talk Broncos defensive back Michael Ojemedia, and we get into the conversation about several Broncos players and some inside stories from Mario as he went to an Avalanche game in the first round of the playoffs with Justin Simmons. What was it like for Simmons getting that experience of being at a professional hockey game and the first time in forever, not to mention his time going to the Nuggets playoff game against the Blazers with Garrett Bowles, Calvin Anderson, KJ Handler, Jerry Judy. We get some fun laid back insight on today's brand new episode, Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network, your team every day from the South Stands to the end zone. I'm your host as always, Cody Rourke, director of video content at Pro Football Network and Broncos analyst for the Lockdown NFL Network. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL follow the show at Lockdown Broncos. Make sure that you like us on all social media and hit that subscribe button here on the YouTube channel, Lockdown Broncos, for daily video content alongside your audio listening experience and your favorite podcast provider, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Odyssey. But without further ado, let's get to our interview with Mile High Mario, my good friend, Mario Vitanzi. It is Vitanzi Friday here in the Lockdown Broncos podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into a brand new episode of the show. Just a reminder here, in the coming weeks, we're going to transition to three episodes per week. I'm taking a road trip to Oregon. So in the next couple of weeks, you'll have Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday shows here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast. Uh, so you're not going to miss any coverage. And there's a chance, obviously, I'll do some shows as I'm uh, remote in Oregon. But today, we are joined by Mario Vitanzi. It's kind of a laid-back episode here, ladies and gentlemen. So we're, uh, we're talking about a couple of key topics. Topics around Broncos country as it pertains to KJ Hamler. You guys all know that Mario Vitanzi works on players, gets them right. He's got the best healing hands in America. I tell you what, it is magic. Uh, but with that said, Mario, my man, happy Friday. How you doing today, bro? I'm doing fantastic. Anytime that I can take time to hang out with you and talk football with you, bro, nothing better than that. You know it's going to be a good day if that's what's going on. Are Dang. you going to Oregon to go uh, to go see Pat? No. Oh, yeah, Are you I'm actually going to do Patrick. something to enjoy yourself? I'll see Patrick, but yeah, definitely to enjoy myself. My buddy's getting married, so uh, get, being able to take a little bit off grid because I work 365 days a year, man, and so I, and I always get a chance to take one off, but I'm going to take all my stuff with me. So uh, yeah, it, it's going to be fun. But the question I have for you here, let's start off today. It's just a laid back episode. Uh, the, the thing I wanted to ask you, Mario, is you know Michael Ojemudi has been a big subject of discussion amongst Broncos fans because everybody's kind of ignoring the fact that he's in that position room. Now, Vic Fangio said, early on in the week that he's learning both the nickel and the dime position. So he's kind of playing that Duke Dawson role right now that Duke was playing as kind of that rotational strong safety hybrid player. And that's that's going to bode well for Denver, especially when we talk about replacing Kareem Jackson after a year. Michael Ojemudi might be that guy. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. And I know we've said it on this podcast, and I just want to reiterate, Ojemudi went to Iowa as a safety, and they were so thin at corner that they actually moved him to corner. Duke Dawson, speaking of which, also played safety at Florida and I think was technically, like if I remember correctly, on Madden, they actually had him listed as a safety. So I think that's the biggest thing that they've been trying to look for in their DBs is guys that can do multiple things. You know, you sign a Kareem Jackson and not a lot of people even realize that he would be playing safety and he switched to safety full time and he's been absolutely fantastic. But yeah, Oja Moody can fill that role. He's Big, physical, strong dude. I don't think people realize like really how big he is compared to most corners. Uh, but he's a big dude. Obviously, we've heard all about Patrick's retained size, and uh, you know we'll get more on him later. But 
you know that Ojemudi is smart enough to learn all of these different positions. We know that he's athletic enough. He was uh, he has a degree in engineering, correct? I'm not sure what kind of engineering, but any kind, bro. Like I'm not touching engineering with the ten foot pole. I am nowhere near smart enough to be doing some engineering stuff. So you know that his brain works differently, and it it makes sense to him. Like you know that he's going to pick up on it. Especially like he picks uh, Justin Simmons' brain all the time, Kareem Jackson's brain all the time. Nobody knows the defense better than those guys. You know, you routinely hear that Justin Simmons is the smartest guy. And Ojemudi's got to be smart, too, if he's picking his brain. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they use all of their corners. And I think going back to the draft, I think the biggest reason that people were somewhat disappointed when they took Sertain, aside from the Justin Fields issue, is – they were stacked at corners. They brought in Fuller. They brought in Darby. They're getting Callahan back. They drafted Ojemudia last year in the third round. And then they get another corner. But I think you look back to last season, and I think someone had tweeted it today. I couldn't remember where the starting corners in week 17 were uh, Motley, Ojemudia, and then Philly Will Parks in the, in the nickel, right? So they could be stacked now. There's, there's no way, obviously, to predict injuries uh, we do know Callahan has had a little bit of issues staying on the field. And, you know, like we've said here, Fuller's gone next Fuller could be gone next year. Callahan could be gone next year. Those guys have one-year deals or one year left on their deals. So maybe this is just kind of a waiting year for Ojemudia, and maybe they kind of get him in where he fits in. But I, I think you have a guy with that much talent and that with that much diversity in his game, they're going to find a way to get him on the field. And it's the same exact thing with Patrick Sertain. They're like – Oh, Sertain's going to be the number four corner day one. It's like everything that I'm hearing, man, he's going to push to be the number one corner. And then all this talk about Sertain, people are forgetting about Michael Ejimudia, who we show, we, he has shown flashes of the ball skills. You know, there were a couple games early on, like I know the Pittsburgh game, he got picked apart a little bit. But as a DB, man, you're going to get beat, especially yeah. in today's NFL. And it's how do you recover from that? Do you improve upon it? Or do you let that get you down? Like as a defensive back, especially as a corner, you have to have the shortest memories. Like if you get torched for an 80-yard touchdown, you got to turn around and act like it didn't happen or you are just going to get bullied and picked on all game. And I think we saw a lot of maturity with Ojemudi. Like after he got benched, you know, it seemed like things started to slow down and he started to process things where he could either let it break him or he could let it build him. And we really saw that he stepped up and – Man, he damn near won that Raiders game for him when he forced. Didn't he force two fumbles in that game? He had the forced fumble on Henry Ruggs at such a critical juncture. Um, Denver's defense, Justin Simmons had an interception in that game, and they were able to just generate all these turnovers. But the offense, uh, you know, they couldn't get stops down the stretch. You know, when it mattered, especially you know against some of these uh, the coverage units. But when your defensive back depth is depleted the way it was, it makes sense. And you know, when we had Michael on the show, he talked about it. He said, you know, my my real welcome to the NFL rookie moment was that Week Two game against. Pittsburgh because they he said I knew that they were going to come out and they were going to pick on me because the Chase Claypool one obviously there was a push off there you know unfortunately the NFL you can't really argue that anymore uh, and then the second touchdown it was just a rough game but he met with the media directly after that game he said look I'm, I'm willing to learn I'm ready to bounce back next week against Tampa Bay he allows zero receptions going against guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin he didn't allow a single catch in terms of his coverage response
responsibility in that game. Pretty good quarterback throwing them the ball that game too. Oh yes, and then he had a really good game against the New York Jets, where Sam Darnold and you know Joe Flacco at times they tested him. He had a couple of key, you know, big key breakups, and they they called him on a very bad pass interference call. But, Horrible, I remember that. But he, he was he, he turned in a really good performance. His issue towards the middle part of the season, which led to him beating Betts, was more so along the lines of tackling. You know, sometimes trying to just lay the hit stick rather than wrap up, and and that's what Vic did. So we we saw Michael evolve in a big way. I mean, four forced fumbles as a rookie, that's pretty phenomenal. I mean, as a, that, as a corner, yeah. yeah. You don't That's see it amazing. too often. And as an outside corner, primarily, especially on the short side of the field, he's that boundary guy. So I really like what we saw from Moji Moody. I think he's going to have a big role in the Broncos defense this year, probably more so than people are giving him credit for that they're anticipating. And everyone's thinking Fuller, Darby, Callahan, Sertan, but OJ Moody is going to be one of those under the radar guys that are- he has six corner alignment or like, like seven DBs. <laughs> you could. I mean, I was thinking about that too the other day because Vic alluded to it. You could take one guy. I mean, do you take Kareem Jackson off the field and maybe just go all cover guys? I don't know. You know, it's debatable at this point. But Seems when you look risky. at the talent that they have, it, it's it's hard to argue that it might not be a bad idea. But, you know, that's a conversation we'll continue to monitor, especially as training camp happens in Broncos country. That's going to be at the end of next month. Obviously, mandatory minicamp starts next week. We have it covered here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast. But coming up here in just a moment, Mari, now we're going to talk about several Broncos players indulging themselves in some postseason festivities with the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs. Coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, I have to tell you about the two sponsors of today's episode of the show good friends over there, rockauto.com and betonline.ag. With rockauto.com, they're a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. That's 20 years of reliable service at rockauto.com. You can go there right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you could be looking for from edge control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, whether you're working on something in your garage, restoring something, rockauto.com has every part available for the vehicle that you are working on. And not to mention the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts elsewhere when you can get them at rockauto.com? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write Lockdown Broncos in there. How did you hear about us, Box, so that they know that we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And our good friends over there, betonline.ag. And betonline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action with baseball season in full swing, the NBA playoffs in effect as we get deeper into it towards the NBA championship, the NHL playoffs. And you have Colorado representing two teams with the Colorado Avalanche and the Denver Nuggets at this point in time. You get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information that they have. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs into the playoffs towards the championship. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Mario, let's uh, continue our conversation here. Now, I bring up that Broncos players right now, they're having a really good time supporting Colorado professional sports with the Nuggets in the playoffs right now. And you also have the uh, the Colorado Avalanche continuously in the playoffs against the Vegas Golden Knights at this point in time. Players are going out to these games at Ball Arena. And you had an experience in the Colorado Avalanche's first series against St. Louis. You actually took Justin Simmons to his first hockey game. Uh, since since he was at Boston College. First off, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure fans of the show would love to have a little bit of insight. What Justin was thinking, like, this is his first hockey game, especially pro hockey game. 
what the hell goes on there? <laughs> he was funny, man. We were driving to the game and he's like, all right, so tell me some of the basic stuff that I need to know. And I was like, well, what do you know? He's like, pretty much literally nothing. And I was like, all right, the number one thing that you need to know is Nathan McKinnon is their best player, number 29. And you'll be able to tell who he is. And he's like, yeah, boy, but I don't know that much about hockey. I was like, he's so good that you will be able to tell like, oh, it's it's that guy. And uh, he and I had kind of gone back and forth and I was texting him before and I was like, yo, man, are you going to get an Avalanche jersey? And he's like, I'm not really a jersey guy. I'm not going to. I'm not going to get a jersey. I was like, man, Von Miller's always – I was like, Von Miller got a Colorado Mammoth jersey, dude. And he's like, yeah, that's not really my style. And I was like, what about this, man? What about if McKinnon gets three points, that's goals and assists, then you get a McKinnon jersey. And he goes, yeah, I might have to. So, of course, McKinnon gets the hat trick. He finished with four points. And he's like, yeah, I'm definitely getting a McKinnon jersey. And the best part, um, you know, he went from not really knowing what to expect – Hadn't been to a professional hockey game since I think he had said uh, Florida Panthers growing up when they were terrible. And so it's not like he ever got to see like a really good pro product of hockey. But obviously, Boston College was always really good. And so we got to see like really good playoff hockey there, but never at the professional ranks. And, you know, he could feel the buzz. And this is when they were, I think, at about half capacity. It was the second game against St. Louis. And he could just feel the energy and you could feel the buzz. And he went from... You know, I've, I've never been to an Avalanche game. I've never been to an NHL playoff game. To now, I want to go to every single Avalanche game ever, dude. He was he was absolutely hooked. It was hilarious to see where it's like this dude never really had any hockey experience, didn't know anything about the Avalanche, and then you know he's he's looking at the guys and he's learning about them. He saw Kale McCarr on the uh, introductions. He goes, "How old is that guy?" I was like, "I think he's like you know <laughs> early 20s. Like. But that guy looks like he's 12. I was like, yeah, dude, he's got the baby face. Like, ain't been in the league that long. I don't think he can grow the playoff beard. But it was funny to hear his uh, hear his banter. And then he noticed that Grubauer's number 31, which, of course, is the same number as Justin. And he's like, yo, man, Groove's my dog. Like, that guy's awesome. I was like, you need to do a jersey swap. Like, you know, he's the goalie. You're the safety. You're kind of both last line of defense. He goes, yes, I love that. We got to do a jersey swap ASAP. So, I'm going to try and try and get some things to work out and make sure that Justin Simmons and Philip Grubauer get a uh, get a 31 jersey swap and, you know, have like a nice little nice little moment. We've got to talk to Romy Bean to make that happen. But uh, she was she was actually there. She came by to say hi and she's like, yeah, we can make this happen. So stay tuned for that. We're eventually going to maybe after the playoffs or something when Grubauer is not locked in. Uh, we'll, I love we'll get it. that happening, but it was so funny, man. He was he was buzzing after the game. He's like, I want to go to every playoff hockey game. That was amazing, and they weren't even at like they're barely at half capacity. I was like, imagine if this place was full, Ooh. which it's about to be. Yeah, well, and not to mention too the Avalanche. They won in overtime in Game Two, and and that was obviously an electric atmosphere. Every time the Avs score, and and you have the the resounding horn. That is the fun part about it. And obviously, uh, Radio Moe's got a great uh, voice for uh, the Colorado Avalanche, too. Best, man. He's he's so great on the call. Him and McGahee are unreal. And and McGahee, if I'm not mistaken, too, he also does PA at Broncos games. So he's got that. He's got the voice for it. So Mm. Colorado sports fan. Look, if you're a Colorado sports fan, you listen to Lockdown Broncos, you got to listen to Lockdown Avalanche, hosted by Chris Maselli, as well as he brings you that coverage. And also, now let's get to the Denver Nuggets side of things, though. Because Justin (laughs) Simmons, he's also been a ballerina to watch the Denver Nuggets and obviously Dame. In the playoffs, you know, a couple nights ago when the Nuggets won, they he absolutely went off. I mean, 
his whole team let him down. But, you know, Mike, uh, Michael Porter Jr. comes up big late. That was just a crazy game. I mean, 147 to 140. That was a late game. I'm sick of these late stars, man. It's killing yeah, me. Yeah, and I'm can we, was can there. We chill. And can we chill with the <laughs> overtime as well? Mm. Like, can we just like can we win in regulation and just like give it a break? Like, you know, just for the next like, the next couple weeks, maybe no overtime games. Like, Please. my heart can't take it, man. Like that took years off my life. I saw speaking of Justin, his uh, his wife had put out on Instagram, and she's like, "This game is stressing me out, and I don't even have a rooting interest in it." <laughs> So, yeah, that's what you got to love, too. But, obviously, Justin Simmons enjoying the playoff festivities. You can tell he's a man of the people. He goes and he supports Colorado sports franchises, not to mention the Avalanche as well. And before we finish today's episode of the show, I got to tell you about the other sponsor of today's episode of the show. That's our good friends over there, Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar out there on the market. You've heard me talk about it here on the podcast multiple times. And the thing I love about Built Bar is that the bars, they taste like a candy bar because they're covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft, and they're easy to chew, and they have nine amazing flavors in the occasion. Liberty time flavor, my personal favorite peanut butter brownie alongside double chocolate and salted caramel. Those are my go-tos. And sometimes I'll put them in the fridge or the freezer for an hour. I'll take a bite into it and it just tastes phenomenal. So if I go to work out and I haven't eaten anything, or if I need some energy, I'll take a bite into Built Bar because Built Bars are also healthy for you, ladies and gentlemen, because the bars, they contain 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and only four grams of sugar. And I want you to get your hands on a box of Built Bar today by going to BuiltBar.com, using promo code LOCK15 when you check out, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Once again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Uh, you know, there, you had an opportunity to go to the Nuggets game with uh, KJ Handler, Jerry Judy, Michael Ojemudia, Garrett Bowles, Calvin Anderson. Uh, what was that like getting all of those guys, just different backgrounds and thought processes in one room? PJ Locke, Lockdown Broncos, there's a, there's a tie there. So Man, what was that like? They're they're hilarious, dude. So first off, it's surprising just kind of talking to them. Like, you know, man, you having a good time? Like, are you enjoying yourself? And they're like, yeah, we never really get to do this. You know, we we rented out us or not rent out, so we we bought the suite for the game, and it was just an incredible experience. But something interesting, man. A lot of them showed up, and they wanted to go so they could see Damian Lillard in person, and they could see Carmelo Anthony in person. Which you know, I get. Dame is Dame is one of these popular dudes. He puts on an absolute show. I'm talking to him like, aren't you more excited like to see Jokic? Like maybe not more than Dame. Like I get Seriously. it, Dame. Dane's game is fun, okay? His his game, like, to the casual observer is more fun to watch. Like, I think we as Nuggets fans, we obviously love Jokic, and we think that he's the most fun player to watch just because we're Nuggets fans. But if you're a casual observer and you know the kind of stuff that Dane can do, it's unreal. Like, Michael Ojemudia got so freaking excited towards the end of the first half, he damn near fell out of the suite because he's going crazy because it was Dame time. And he was telling PJ, he's like, man, watch this, watch this. Like, watch, watch Dame pull up. And he did. He's like, ah, it goes crazy. I'm like, man. OJ, we're at the Nuggets game. Okay. You got to be a Nuggets fan when you're here publicly. All right. You don't want, I don't want people throwing popcorn or anything at us up in the suite because you're rooting for Dame. Like, granted, it was an incredible game to watch. But what I noticed is a lot of them don't realize how good Jokic is. Like, most of them didn't even know that he's probably going to win the MVP. And that tells me that, you know, maybe they kind of casually watch Nuggets games here and there if they're on national TV, which when they are on national TV, yeah. they don't always play great. But they know about the LeBrons, the KDs, the Dames, those guys. They don't know anything about Jokic, man. And they're watching him play. And they're like, how does he do what he does? Because it looks so uncoordinated and he looks slow. 
but everything works, right? Like everything that he does works so effectively and works so well. So towards the end of the game, they're starting to be like, man, yeah, Jokic can go. Jokic can go. It's like, yeah, man, he's not pulling up from 30 feet behind the arc like Damian Lillard is, but, you know, he can ball too. And they were asking me, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I wanted to get this out there. They, of course, the, the crowd booed Mello again. And they're like, how come y'all boo Mello? Like, one, I think Jerry was like, y'all need, y'all should have retired 15. I was like, yeah, after Jokic retires, they will retire number 15. Yes. So it was funny because, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they grow up watching Mello kind of like what we did. And they don't understand why Denver fans boo Mello. And they're like, I was like, well, it's because he didn't bring us a championship. They're like, what? I was like, no, man, he forced his way out. He didn't want to yeah, be here. It was like, ugly. Then they and don't it, even know. They don't know their Carmelo history. And, and I it think took Chauncey really, Billups away from Denver, too. Which yes, is man. And I think that was when, like, they started watching Melo during that, that, that period where he went from Nuggets to the Knicks. Because you know, everybody wants to watch the Knicks. So they knew about him more as a Nick than a Nugget. And so they were so confused as to why fans boo. And I was like, Yo, man, why why do fans boo anybody? Why would Bronco fans boo y'all at halftime? Like, it just happens. Like, fans fans have a voice, and I don't know if they're entitled to, to necessarily boo their home team, but you want to boo someone on the other team? That's part of sports, man. You should man. want them to boo the opposing team. Yeah, well, I can tell you this. Portland is the armpit of America. I'm not a big fan of Portland. I don't like it because I grew yeah, up in Oregon half I know my life, and Pat I was around listening. Trailblazer. It's the, it's the armpit, Pat. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, and I remember, too, I remember too, Patrick because like, Patrick's a huge Blazers fan, which we give him a lot of crap in our group text. So let's transition to a different topic here. You know, kind of the Broncos rookies, just kind of a little bit of a quick-hitting overview from you in terms of you know what, you, what you'd like to see from them. Obviously, uh, I know the whole rookie list at the top of my head, so let's start with Patrick Sertan. Uh, you know, his physical traits we've been hearing about in the media all week. I mean, players are raving about Sertan's size and, and what he can do. Dude, you don't take a guy in the top 10 and not play him. I mean, unless he's a quarterback and you kind of want to, you know, let him go through that growth period. But any other position besides quarterback, you take him in the top 10, chances are that dude's going to be on the field when the first snap of the league of the year, league year happens. So I don't know what Vic's going to do. He's going to have to be a mad scientist because, you know, as, as we've said ad nauseum, they have so much freaking talent in this secondary. But everything that I've heard about Patrick Sertain from, you know, people who were at practice, from the other players, you know, whether it's a receiver or a DB, every single one of them. It's, it's very similar to what I heard about Jerry Judy last year from these guys. They're like, this dude is just different. I couldn't tell you how many times, regardless of position, dudes came in last year and they're like, I can't believe that Jerry Judy fell to 15. He should have been a top 10 pick. It's a similar kind of thing with Patrick Sertain where guys are like, I can't believe there was a corner taken ahead of him. Like they didn't really know anything about JC Horn, but they're all shocked. They're like, you're telling me that there was a college corner better than Sertain? And they all find it very hard to believe. And speaking to Jerry, like I asked him, who was the best corner that he went up against in college? And he's like, oh, Pat. And I was like, you like, I was like, that was just practice. Like, what about other dudes? He goes, pass way better than anybody else. And, you know, granted, they were teammates. So maybe, maybe there's a little bit of favoritism there. But I'm asking some of the other receivers, you know, I asked OJ how he looked. And they're like, it's crazy that a man that size, that's that rocked up, is that smooth and that fluid with his movement. So I know we, we wanted to be quick, but man, I can't rave enough about Patrick Sertain. And I know a lot of people, and the reason I want to do it is because I know a lot of people were on the fence about the pick. Again, I know you wanted fields or you were confused why they got a corner. 
This dude, from all intents and purposes and from every account that I've spoken to, he is legit. And I would not be surprised if he works his way up the depth chart. Apparently, he's, he's shutting down everybody in seven-on-sevens. He is just an absolute freak of nature. So they're going to find a place for him. I think as, as, as we continue on talking about this draft, it's going to be big question marks about where dudes fit in. But Sertain, that's their number nine overall pick. That's their first round pick. He will be on the field early and he'll be on the field often. I love it. Now let's go to Javante Williams, who, in my opinion, one of my favorite picks that the Broncos made to just going back and watching his tape. I mean, he's so efficient. The amount of touchdowns that he had, the amount of efficiency in terms of punching it in, the Broncos have had a hard time punching it in the red zone. I think he's going to be that guy that's going to help them solve that. I absolutely love Javante Williams. And, you know, I'm no scout or expert or anything. And I know Najee Harris and Travis Etienne were by a lot of counts, the clear-cut kind of one and two running backs. I like Javante Williams more than both of them coming out. I thought that he did more. I thought he was more explosive. And he did it at North Carolina. You know, it's – pardon me, but it's a little bit easier to succeed at an Alabama, to succeed at a Clemson where you're around the best players. And we've seen Alabama running backs. It's like they're either absolute superstars and studs or they're – nothing and they fall completely flat we've seen both ends of the spectrum not saying that Najee Harris you know was gonna fall flat but I sure as hell like Javante Williams more than both of those dudes and in case you're wondering why the Broncos traded up for Javante Williams the Dolphins were about to take him that was why they leapfrogged in front of them and the way that they manipulated this draft was fantastic where they were able to add you know a third round pick it it was unbelievable but they knew that Miami was going to take him and Miami was probably rubbing their hands together, man, because he would have been perfect for that oh. offense. They needed a running back really bad to the point where a lot of people thought Miami was going to take it back with their second first-round pick. So they were devastated to miss out on Javante Williams. And I think as we see this dude play this year, it's going to become evident why he was so highly sought after. He's an absolute monster with the football. Well, Brian Stark said that he's very comparable to Nick Chubb, which, look, if he could play any resemblance close to what Nick Chubb does, the Broncos have a really good player there. I think that all the potential there. I think he's going to be running back two and has a chance to be running back one potentially at some point this season. So not so bold of a prediction here, but I think everybody can see it. But, uh, you know, let's get to the third-round picks. Quinn Miners, obviously out of Wisconsin, Whitewater. You know, we touched on it in our depth chart projection. You know, you believe there's a chance he's going to push Cush a little bit just because Cush and Barry, you know, you never want to get comfortable in the NFL. You always want to, you always got to look over your shoulder. Somebody's going to be coming for your job. So you have to be ready for everything. Um, so there's Quinn Miners and there's Baron Browning. Your quick thoughts on the two third round selections? Yeah, I said it on here. I think they want to find a place for Miners. I don't think that you take a guy like that that early. You know, did it address an immediate need? Not necessarily. I think people love to pick just because of the guy that Quinn Miners is. Uh, obviously what he's done on the field from what we can see, it's limited. He was up there in white water. So it's not like he was going up against the best competition, but then everybody knew who he was after the senior bowl. Like anybody that paid any sort of attention to the senior bowl knew exactly who Quinn Miners was. And I just don't think that you take an interior lineman there unless you absolutely love the guy. And it's like, I know that there were people saying, Oh, well he's never played center and he's not a center. He's listed at center. And I think the entire reason that they got him, was to push Cushenberry, and he can do both. Like, he can play center, otherwise they wouldn't list him at center, and he can obviously play guard. Now, what happens long-term with Dalton Reisner? You would think that they would lock him down, but just in case, you know, maybe he leaves for free agency, Miners can step in. You have Natana Moody, obviously. And then what do you do with Graham Glasgow? We discussed that where if Glasgow is healthy, that's your right guard. 
bar none, like absolutely. But that's the thing. Like, can he stay on the field? Is he going to be able to be healthy? He played at about 80, 85% max last year. He was dealing with a lot of issues. And I think he only missed one game, but he wasn't 100% of Graham Glasgow. And the reason I'm going on and on about the interior line is because that's where Miners is going to fit in. And I honestly think they're going to have an open camp competition between him and Kush. I think that they keep it a little bit quiet because I don't think that they're going to want to attract a lot of attention to that. But if Miners is able to hold his own and kind of bully guys back, which Kush showed he struggled with last year, Miners could very well be the starter uh, starting center week one. And then Browning, you know, what, what is it about like the people don't like about Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell? I know that Josie's not the most flashy dude. I know he's not making a ton of splash plays, but man, he might be the most sure tackler on your team. He's one of the smartest linebackers. I and mean, it's like, yeah, he has his physical limitations, but he knows where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there. And of course, Alexander Johnson's running around like a freaking maniac out there. So I think those two complement each other really well. You have a guy in Justin Strenod coming back. Obviously, big question marks there. We didn't get to see him play. I heard really good things about him in camp last year, but you can't really tell until you get guys on the field. So where does Browning fit in there? And I think one of the reasons that they were so high on him and they wanted to you know, sneak back up in the third round and take him in that with that last third round pick uh, was because he can do a lot of different things. Like he could potentially turn into an edge rusher, but he could also be a middle linebacker. He's shown that he can cover it and he has the physical ability. His RAS score is 9.98, which is absolutely fantastic. He's a super super big, super fast athletic guy. He's going to be a little bit raw. I would be surprised if he starts right off the bat, especially if, you know, Josie and Alexander continue to do what they do. But they'll, you know, they'll have packages. They'll have certain uh, certain situations where they're going to get him in. But, you know, when I, I just don't know how they're going to use him. And this is kind of the beauty of this draft, man. Like, I don't know how he's going to use Sertain. But if there's a coach that I have faith in finding a place to use him, it's Vic Fangio. And it's the same thing with Baron Browning. I have no idea where they're going to use him. They might just have him roam all over the place. He might be an edge rusher one down. He might be a middle linebacker the next the next down. That's the beauty of these guys that they got in the draft is like the diversity of what they're able to do. You see it with minors as well. And then we'll, we'll close off here with the safeties. I know we're going to get to the seventh round, guys. We'll give them an, on another day. But in terms of uh, Jamar Johnson, you know, the safeties and then uh, Caden Stearns, you know, these are guys that fit the mold. Give me those uh, Justin Simmons and Will Parks vibes from back when they were drafted. I get those yeah. same, same kind of vibes. Now, obviously, none of them are third-round picks, but – uh, I really like the Caden Stearns pick. I think he's got tremendous upside to be like a Justin Simmons. Yeah, man. I was personally, I was hurt just because my draft crush, if anybody follows me and anything that I ever said, I loved Hamza Nasserladeen. And yep. I thought for sure he was like a third or fourth round talent. I think he ended up dropping to the sixth. I'm just like, no, nah, shows how much I know. So I didn't know that much about Caden Stearns. I still kind of have to like dig into him and how he's as a prospect. But from what I've heard, he's a total ball hawk. Maybe could improve his tackling a little bit. You know, kind of shades of Justin Simmons when he came out. And Johnson, if I remember correctly, was like a very highly touted guy his first year at Indiana. And I think what I'd heard is he kind of bought into his own hype and into the hype around him, dropped off a little bit, uh, and then obviously ended up recovering. So I did think it was strange that they went back to back with safeties it just kind of struck me as odd but if that's how the board fell then that's how the board fell like it seemed like they thought that they got good value with Stearns I think that got fantastic value with Johnson I thought he could have been a second or third round pick not that I'm any sort of expert when it comes to the draft but I think that has been 
it's been kind of widely agreed upon that that was their best steal of the draft in terms of where they were able to get this guy. Um, I don't see either of them starting simply because you have the best safety duo in the NFL. Again, it gets back to the the mad genius that is Vic Fangio. Like, will there be certain packages where you just load up with DBs and you're constantly cycling guys? Like, if you're if you're getting in a track meet with the Kansas City Chiefs and you can continue to cycle guys on and off the field, like you know Justin Simmons isn't going to come off the field, knock on wood. But do you cycle other guys in and out just to have a fresh body so that they're able to keep up with the track team that is the Kansas City Chiefs? Maybe that's what this whole draft was about, man, was just putting guys in place where it put it gives the team a better chance to hang with the Chiefs and to match up better with them. I think, you know, why else do you take four DBs in a room that, like, you're already set with DBs? And they drafted four of them in this draft. Like, clearly they're on to something that maybe we're not privy to yet. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun to see you. And Mario, I appreciate you as always for taking time on this beautiful Friday to talk Broncos football, to talk. This is just laid back, man. It's, it's nice to have a laid back conversation. And I hope Broncos fans, I hope you enjoyed it here on the YouTube channel. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, Lockdown Broncos. Follow and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or the Odyssey app. But until Monday, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Cody Rourke, host of Lockdown Broncos. We'll see you then.